To celebrate Marketplace's 35th anniversary, we made some throwback thank you gifts you can get when you donate during this March fundraiser. We took our old .com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash give tech. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash give tech. To celebrate Marketplace's 35th anniversary, we made some throwback thank you gifts you can get when you donate during this March fundraiser. We took our old .com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash give tech. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash give tech. Dry January, neat flip phone February. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. Once a week, I get that dreaded screen time report, courtesy of my iPhone. How many hours did I spend on my phone each day last week? I'd rather not say. I will say it is a number that I am not proud of. A recent study found keeping track of our average usage doesn't actually help us control our screen time all that much. Well, caught in the loop of screen time shame, like so many of us are, New York Times tech reporter Kashmir Hill decided to actually do something about it. Late last year, she broke up with her iPhone and replaced it with a flip phone, T9 texting and all, because she'd finally had enough. I would wake up in the middle of the night and struggle to go back to sleep and inevitably reach for the phone. And then I'd be reading articles or online shopping, and I would be up for an hour, two hours, three hours in the middle of the night. And it just was making me feel terrible. You know, when I'm driving, when I got to a red light, I would just start thinking about my phone. Should I just quickly look at it, check if I have a message, have a notification? And I just thought, this isn't safe. I shouldn't, I, I just didn't like that my phone was kind of the first thing that came to my mind as this default activity that I should do in so many different moments. Well, once you had your flip phone up and running, you finally go out and make this switch. What kinds of changes did you notice to your day-to-day? So at first, it was it was really hard. Um, one of the hardest things for me was I realized how reliant I was on Google Maps to tell me how to get anywhere more than 15 minutes away. Um, that was hard, uh, but I actually I loved it because over the course of the month, I figured out uh, a, a kind of mental map of where I lived, which I had not had. I'd outsourced that to Google. Um, I I had this actual physical urge to reach into my pocket all the time and pull out my phone or to stroke its screen. I called it my thumb twitch. <laughs> and it was this 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 impulse I had. It lasted for at least two weeks. Um, kind of when I was standing in an elevator or just my my mind w- had a brief opportunity to wander, I would reach for that phone. But when you get the flip phone, there's there's nothing really to look at. You open it up and it tells you the time and it tells you if you have a message or a miss, miss call, but it didn't have the kind of wonders that were offered up by the smartphone. Yeah. No, no desire to stroke the flip phone, I imagine. <laughs> and how about the way that you communicated with people? Did it change that too? 
Yeah, I mean, texting on the flip phone is very annoying. It is it's one of those classic phones with nine, you know, plastic buttons that you press. It's, you know, doing T9 texting. And so it was very laborious to send messages that way. Um, and so I was, uh, and I didn't have, you know, easy access to Instagram and WhatsApp and Signal and um, all these other communication platforms. And so I started calling people and I would hope that they would talk me, talk to me on the phone because the other forms of texting on the go were hard or unavailable to me. And I just discovered that people don't like to use their phones as phones. Uh, people would not pick up. If I left a voicemail, they would, if they responded at all, they would text me back. And so, yeah, it was just a little hard to get people <laughs> to talk on these, uh, these supposed phones that they have. We'll be right back. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Kashmir Hill of The New York Times. Well, the way you describe your life without a smartphone, it, it sounds like a piece of heaven, if I can be honest with you. Better sleep, more time in your day, even looking less stressed, according to your husband, whatever that means. Were there also some negative aspects of the experience? Um, I mean, it was hard. One of the nice things about a smartphone, I think, for so many people is that um, with work, it kind of it lets you work on the go, right? You can check into Slack uh, from the from your doctor's waiting room. Um, you can check emails um, when you're out and about. And I didn't have that 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 ability. And you know, I'm a technology reporter at the New York Times. Sometimes my editors need to get in touch with me, and so I I would warn. I basically warn my editor, like, hey, I. Uh, I'm I'm going to be going and interviewing somebody for an hour. I'm not going to be reachable. But I remember one day I had kind of an interview at 4 p.m., an event that night, and I basically went, you know, until uh, the next morning uh, before I looked at a computer and saw that I had a message from her. And so it forces you to be disconnected, which it can be hard, but also it, it's what made it so nice. It was, it, it, it's this real break from kind of being plugged into the internet all the time um, if you give up your smartphone. It's incredible all the little things that occurred to you um, and you write about this as you, you know, make the switch, things that you didn't even realize you were using the smartphone for. I heard from a lot of readers after I did this piece, a lot of people who are very enthusiastic about their flip phones. And this is a complaint I heard from them that we live in this increasingly smartphone centric world and that businesses assume that you're going to have kind of access to the internet on the go and that they, you know, pull into a parking lot and they can't pay for the parking or they get to a sporting event and uh, the the ticket is supposed to be a QR code on their phone. And so they were complaining that we're, we're moving towards a world where it's not an option to opt out. After you wrote your piece about switching to your flip phone, um, I'm sure a lot of people are really thinking about it. I know I was really thinking about this after reading your piece. Um, and I wonder what kinds of advice or recommendations you would give to people thinking of actually pulling the trigger on this. Yeah, I mean, so going to a flip phone is pretty extreme, but I I did I did recommend the idea of this new um uh you know, we have dry January. I said we should do flip phone February where people that are struggling with their relationship with technology, with relationship with their phone, should go and get a flip phone. In terms of advice I would give if people want to do that, one, check in with your carrier first to find out what and they're called feature phones. That's kind of the industry term for them. What feature phones they support? You can't just you can't just buy any flip phone and expect it to work on your network. Um, 
And then, yeah, think through these things. What are the moments when you need a smartphone to charge your car or be on the go to warn you should warn your loved ones that they're not going to be able to WhatsApp you <laughs> on your flip phone? Why is she calling me all the time? <laughs> <laughs> Unless there, there are, there's, um, there's actually this really useful um, tool online called the Dumb Phone Finder. And there's, there's kind of, there's a hundred or so different models you can choose from. And some of them do have, you know, uh, ways or, um, WhatsApp or Signal. So if there are things that you need, there, there, there's increasingly companies that are catering to that. But if you can't, you know, make the jump to a flip phone, there are ways to make your smartphone less addictive. One uh, academic I talked to had found that changing your your phone to grayscale, making it, you know, black and white, reduces people's usage of their phone by about twenty percent. Turning off the notifications. And definitely don't make my mistake. Do not sleep with your smartphone next to you. It should not be in your bedroom. It should be in a different room. It should maybe be turned off at night. It, it really is disruptive um, to people sleep in a serious way. And I think just trying to keep your smartphone off your body more, like leave it on a counter. Uh, put it, Some people told me they put it in a drawer, um, but get it out of your pocket where it is so... Uh, tempting to put your put your hand in there and pull it out. That was Kashmir Hill at the New York Times. The feasibility of breaking up with your smartphone seems to hinge at least in part on the kind of job you have. Kashmir writes about this. In her piece, she says she worried she might get fired if she failed to respond in a timely manner to Slack messages and emails. Her editor inserted a note about that, calling this an unfounded projection, clearly masking a deep and uncontrollable desire to return to the smartphone. A reader of Kashmir's article commented about this, too, writing that while they wish they could do a flip phone, it wouldn't be practical. It is integral to my job, the reader explained, and I don't have the luxury of just resolving things when I get where I'm going. When I talked to her, Kashmir was still using her flip phone, but she says she set up a second phone line for her iPhone for those times when she really needs the internet. We've linked to her piece at MarketplaceTech.org. Rosie Hughes produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.